0: This summer we have uh, been taking a journey through the book of Proverbs and uh, you take a, a book that's got 30 chapters and a, a number of principles and wonderful sayings and try to distill it down to find what are some of the main things that they talk about. And uh, today I want to talk about a, a theme that it runs throughout a pretty good bit of Proverbs and it's about diligence and the sluggard. And what I'd like for you to do, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to look at a number of different Proverbs, but to really get us uh, started, Proverbs chapter 6, starting with the sixth verse. Proverbs, as we have said, is a, um, it's a guide to life. When you open up this book, you see right in here, you see vertical wisdom, that is used for horizontal living. We're getting wisdom from God, from these wise sages who have a word from God, and then we take that and it helps us in our horizontal living. It is just practical principles for life. And so throughout the Proverbs, you will see that it talks a great deal about work and talks about uh, how we are to work and does a contrast between one with diligence and one that he calls the sluggard. Now, it wasn't but just a few months ago that I preached a sermon in the Do Something series about work, so I'm not going to cover that, that again. I'm just going to focus on what it says here in the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, it talks about the diligent, and, and it does a contrast with the person that is diligent and the person that is a sluggard. So let's let's define what diligence is. Diligence means persistent work or effort. Diligence is persistent work or effort. Somebody that's just getting after it, okay? Now, if you are someone who is diligent, what what does God do? If you work hard, what are some truths we can get for that? There's two things that I want you to just write down. This kind of helps set up a foundation when you begin to look at diligence. The very first thing that we see is that God blesses hands hard at work. God blesses hands that are hard at work. It is his desire that we work, but then when we work, that we work hard. Look at these Proverbs. At the end of Proverbs thirteen four, it says, the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. In Proverbs ten four, it says, the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now we need to understand, I'm going to stop right here with the word rich. That doesn't mean, this is not a health and wealth gospel that when you work hard, all of a sudden you're going to have everything you ever wanted. Rich is a relative term. Uh, I mean, people probably thought that our family was rich back in the 1960s when we bought a color TV. Uh, I mean, wow, we couldn't believe that we were able to get a color TV. We weren't first on our block, but we did get one, but by no means were we rich. But when it says the hand of the diligent makes rich is that what God does is he blesses us and he blesses the work that we do and He blesses that hard work. And so, first of all, God blesses. But second of all, this is what you need to understand. There is a return for your labor. There is a return for your labor. And that whenever you work and you work hard, there will be a return. Two Proverbs, just to look at here. Proverbs fourteen twenty-three. In all toil, there is profit. But mere talk tends only to poverty. So in all the toil, there is some profit. And then I like Proverbs 27, 18. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit. So what it means is when you're doing work and you're tending after something, you will get a fruit of your labors. There's a clear directive in Proverbs that we're to be hard workers. We're to go the extra mile in all of our efforts. And so just been looking at these four Proverbs, it's evident that what God desires is that whatever it is you choose to do, do it and do it strong. Get an effort after it. Go work. And so I look at it from one side and say, we're to be diligent. But then it's interesting because throughout Proverbs, he talks a lot about the sluggard. And in fact, that term sluggard is used 13 times in the old testament and every one of those times is in the book of proverbs so if you ever want to do a study on sluggards just stick with the book of proverbs that's the only place it's listed and when you look at sluggard what it means is it means lazy or hesitant some of you said someone's slow they're hesitant they're lazy they're a sluggard you can even take it a little further and say it's one who has a wasted life he's just lazy and there is this contrast between the diligent over here, hardworking, and then the sluggard. Person's just flat out lazy. And so, in the book of Proverbs, and you start reading, and you get through the first five chapters, and then all of a sudden, when you get to chapter six, he begins to talk about this idea of diligence and of being a sluggard. Now, if you've got your Bibles open, chapter six. Verse 6 through 11. It's as if he's talking to the sluggard, this lazy person, and he's giving him an assignment. And he says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. If we put in today's language, it would be, I want you to sit down right over here, and as you sit down here, I want you to look for some ants. If you live in Birmingham, they're not hard to find, okay? And so as you're looking for those ants, what I'd like for you to do is like for you to find the ants... And I want you to study them. And just watch them. And look what he says. Go to the ant, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, and she gathers her food in harvest. Then he says, how long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? And in verse 10, it's like a quote from the sluggard. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. He says, I want you to sit there. Sit there as long as it takes and just watch those ants. And there's some things you'll learn when you watch an ant. One of the first things you'll learn is that they're clearly motivated. Uh, There is no superintendent, at least as far as I've looked at, running behind them, hitting them with a whip to say, do your job, do your job. They're always moving, they're always getting after it, and there's a motivation that they have. You'll also notice that they're hard workers. You ever see an ant pick up something that's bigger than the ant? Are you just amazed sometimes when you see what they can carry? He says, look at him, look at what he's taking. They are hard workers. And the other thing you'll notice about an ant is they're preparing for the future. They're taking a harvest in the summer to take some, some of this food that they have and they set it aside so that when the winter time comes, that they are prepared. They're motivated, hard workers, and they're looking towards the future. And what he's doing, he's calling the sluggard to look at them and to learn from them. Now, some of that is kind of a, I don't know, sort of a shot across the bow. He's look because he's talking to the sluggard and he says, look at you. Your size is so much bigger than this. Your intelligence is so much greater than this ant. But yet, this is who I want you to learn from. You've got all these vast resources at your hands, but I want you to learn from him. Because what you're doing is you're just wasting your life away just being lazy. You need to learn from the ant. And so when he calls him in and tells him to learn from the ant, one of the things that he shows him over there in this contrast is that you need to just stop being lazy and then follow this direction, but also remember that he's saving up for the future. And if I can just tie a little bit of a sort of a spiritual lesson into that. Every time we look at agriculture, we think we've got to take a harvest, we plant and we sow the crops, we reap the harvest and we take the harvest and then we put it up for the winter or to be prepared in case something comes. Same thing happens spiritually. In every one of our lives, there's going to be a winter blast of discontent that's going to enter into your life. And oftentimes it's going to take you by complete surprise. The question is, is how will you be prepared for that? Are you going to be ready for that? Are you going to be ready for when that's that just that bombshell of discontent or or difficulty just falls right in your lap or slaps you in the face? What we need to be doing is during these times, we are to be feeding on God's word and getting wisdom from God for the unknowns of tomorrow. So that when those difficult times come, when those winter winds come and they blow into our lives, we are not caught off guard. But yet we have that strength of God's word. We have the strength of our relationship with him to help us through those difficult times. So he is telling the sluggard to go get with the ant and learn from him so when you read through the book of proverbs you're going to see some characteristics of a sluggard characteristics of a lazy person now before you get on your high horse every one of us have got a little bit of sluggard in us okay we've all got a little bit of sluggard in us And some more than others. We took a test when you came in and I'm going to identify those of you who are really sluggards and those who've got, no, those who've got a little, those who've got a lot. But we've all got a little bit in us. So I want you to learn and see what the book of Proverbs says about characteristics of a sluggard. Number one, first thing is this, trouble getting started, procrastination. Just trouble getting started. I just can't get started. Verse 9 and 10 how long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? And when he's asking the question, the sluggard's coming back and just looks at something and it may be the problem or the situation is too daunting. Uh, it, it's just making me nervous. It's making me tired. So I'm just not going to start it. I am to just fold my hands a little bit of sleep, a little bit of slumber. I'll go back to bed. You ever done that? You ever had a task, had a thing that you wanted to do, and then you looked at it and it just seemed so big and you began to think about it and say, I'm just exhausted thinking about it. I'll just go back to bed. Just begin to procrastinate. That's what a life of a sluggard is, the characteristics of a sluggard. I'm just going to take a little bit more sleep. I'm going to procrastinate. Trouble getting started. However, there will come a time that maybe you do get started and that's where the second characteristic comes in and that is no follow-through. You kind of get started, but then there's no follow-through. Proverbs 19.24. In 19.24 says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. This is what we call the ultimate of laziness. I'm thinking I want it, so I get my hand down there and... Well, I don't know. I and just no follow-through. Now, sluggards... They can talk, they can dream, they can even sketch out a game plan, but they lack the discipline to follow through and pursue the vision. It's not that sluggards don't have dreams and, and, and desires, they do. They just never follow through. And, and we can sit here and think there are times in our lives where we just never followed through on something. And there's some that will say, hey, I'm going to get up and get a job today. Today's the day I'm going to go uh, look for something. And then all of a sudden, it never happens. He says just no follow through on there. A lot of words, but little action and little accomplishment. Number three, third characteristic is this they are short sighted. Short sighted. Means they really don't even see the future. Look what it says in Proverbs twenty, verse four. It says the sluggard does not plough in the autumn, he will seek at harvest and have nothing. This is almost comical. That means that he went to his field, he didn't plant any seed, he didn't plow, but then when it came harvest time, he went and he expected to see something, and there was nothing there. It's just short-sighted. He never thinks ahead. He doesn't plan for the future. He's not planning for retirement. He doesn't plan his finances. All of a sudden, he gets slapped in the face. He says, I didn't know I was supposed to put money aside to pay for those taxes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the student that comes up and all of a sudden they say, you know, I didn't know that I was supposed to turn that paper in uh, this next week. And I was supposed to have read a book to write that paper? Yeah. It's just short-sighted. It's just laziness. And and so the sluggard is the one who is expecting something, but he didn't put the work to get it. Let me tell you number four. Number four is he lives by Excuses. The sluggard, the lazy one, lives by excuses. I love this passage. 26, 13 through 14 says this. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. it's too dangerous. I've got to stay in the house. Okay, you had a job interview lined up to go down Main Street. That's correct. But just before I went to the interview, I heard there's a lion in the street. And so there's an excuse because it's too scary, so I'm not going to go. And it says, as a door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. And we're going to build on this one in just a second. You say, dang, that's just ridiculous. I mean, how many times in, in this place in the Middle East were there lions walking around in the street? Very rarely. But you see, it was a good excuse. And so what happens is when you're lazy and you're a sluggard, you just begin to live with excuses in order to avoid work. You will capitalize on excuse no matter how irrational it is so that you can avoid work. Now, if you ever think that this proverb is not true, I want you to stop for just a moment and think, those days that you missed work and you had to give an excuse, how good was it? What did you come up with? The time you couldn't turn in your homework, couldn't be there for the test? What excuse did you have? You see, when I was growing up, we only had one excuse. Folks that are in my age group, what was our one excuse that we gave? The dog ate it. Ours was always the dog ate it. It was always nice for the poor person who was allergic to dogs. They knew they didn't have one. Then they had to say the neighbor's dog ate it. But we would say that uh, our dog ate it or something like that. Well, what happens in today's society is that sometimes people just want to miss work. And when they miss work, they've got to talk to the HR people. And they say, why weren't you here? What's your excuse? And they have to give excuses. Well, I went online to a place called, it's a website called Career Builder. And, uh, and they gave some of their top excuses that were true excuses that people gave. I say true, true that they gave the excuse. And then there was a poll that was taken, a Harris poll of about 3000 HR workers. And they said, send us your best excuses that you have ever heard as to why a person missed work. Are you ready? I'm going to give you kind of the top eight that I that I saw right here. These were real excuses that people gave as to why they missed work. Number one, I was arrested as a result of mistaken identity. Yeah, I just kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Number two, I forgot to come back to work after lunch. <laughs> you know? I just forgot to come back. Number three, I couldn't find my shoes. Are you kidding me? I couldn't find my shoes. Just a word for our staff. If you can't find your shoes, come barefoot, okay? So number four, I love this one. My brain went to sleep and I could not wake it up. Serious. (laughs) This is great. I woke up in a good mood and I didn't want to ruin it. (laughs) Wow, that's being really honest, isn't it, on there? Number six, these are true. I got stuck in the blood pressure machine at the grocery store, and I couldn't get out. (laughs) I just, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. I'm stuck, well somebody from produce would have come by and helped you out somewhere along the way, wouldn't it? All right, number seven. I was sitting in the bathroom, and my feet and my legs fell asleep. When I stood up, I fell, and I broke my ankle. Can I just say this word? If you're sitting in the bathroom so long, that your legs and feet fall asleep, you got some other problems that um, you probably want to uh, deal with uh, on there. And my favorite is number eight, I accidentally got on an airplane. (laughs) I cannot tell you how many times driving here to Shades Mountain, I have turned into the Birmingham airport and uh, parked my car and walked to the gate with no ticket and they let me through. And just happened to sit on the plane. Yeah, it was amazing. Can you believe that? Those are crazy excuses that people give. But you know, that's what it means being a sluggard. You're just lazy. You're looking for excuses, looking for things to avoid work and to get out of work. When you look at verse 14, it says, As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. If you have a door that's sitting on hinges, there's only two things it can do. Open and close. Open and close. That's what the door does. And it says, just as the door is on hinges, so is a sluggard on his bed. It's like he's restricted to his bed and he goes, I think I'm going to get out. No, I'm not going to get out. No, I'm not going to get out. I'm just going to be lazy. I'm just going to stay there. And I'm going to come up with excuses just to avoid work. Number five, the sluggard will not listen to reason or accept reality. Will not listen to reason or will accept reality. And where you get this from is Proverbs 26:16. And in 26:16 it says the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Which means you could have seven men, anybody could come and give you reasons why you needed to go to work, reasons you need to get a job, reasons you need to complete this task. And what the sluggard will say is he will come up with arguments in his own mind that will overcome everything that they say. Everything they say is going to make sense, it's going to reason, but not in his mind. And he will come up with arguments to say, it's not a good day, I can't do this, I can't do that. And you keep hearing all these, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And there's more laziness, there's more avoiding of work on there. You see, for every suggestion made, he's got a reason why it won't work on there. And he just won't come to terms with reality and he won't get a job and he won't complete a task. And that's what it means about being a sluggard. Now, laziness is opposite of what God has taught us about diligence. So when I look over here and I see diligence, but then I see the sluggard, I see the characteristics of the sluggard. But Let me give you some consequences of being a sluggard. Okay. You say, well, Dave, what's so bad? Maybe I'm just a lazy person. So what are the consequences of that? Let me just tell you what God's word says. Number one, it leads to poverty and to ruin. It leads to poverty and ruin. The story about the ant, when he comes down in verse 11, this is what he says. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. He's saying that a person that is lazy, when they are just going through their life being a slugger, being hesitant, being slow to get anything done, all of a sudden, poverty or ruin is going to come about your life just boom, just like that, just like a robber. And it says your life can fall into ruin. It's an inactivity that leads not just to poverty, but it leads to depression and it leads to feelings of worthlessness. Just feelings of worthlessness. Now here's the difference. You see, God has created us to worship him to give him honor and glory. And he has given us certain gifts and talents and abilities and he wants us to use them for his glory. And that means that every day when I wake up, I need to see every day as an opportunity to serve Jesus Christ. Every day I got an opportunity to serve him. But if I have fallen into the ways of the sluggard, what that means is I treat every day as no big moment. You see, the sluggard says every day, there's nothing, no big moment in those days. But yet what God has done is he's given you every day as a big moment to be able to serve God and to do things for Christ. God made us for magnificence. He made us for accomplishment. He made us for achievement. And yet too many will just sit back and just settle for less. And we'll just stay there with our hands folded and just be lazy. Lazy but instead what my challenge is for you to leave your lethargy and say lord jesus i trust you to do a new work in my life i mean god i want you every morning i want you to make me hungry i want you to make me restless i want you to make me eager and i want to get out and get after it for you i want to serve whatever the job is i want to get that job and i want to work hard in that job and i want to i want to be salt and light in that job i want to be diligent i want to be persistent in there i don't want to just sit back and be the person that's lazy I don't want to just look around and see unfinished tasks all around me. Yet I want to do is I want to look around and see opportunities for the Lord all around me and say God, this is what I want to do for you today. It was interesting when I was doing research uh for this uh, for this sermon Bill Hibbs, the pastor at Willow Creek, uh wrote a book called Making Life Work, Putting God's Wisdom into Action. And he came up with a phrase, a term called selective sluggardliness, okay? (laughs) Selective sluggardliness. I'm going to go out on a limb and say none of you have ever used the word sluggardliness over here. But listen to what he has to say because it resonates well with our audience that we have here. This is what Bill says in his book. He says, I believe that many of us who on the surface look like models of industry and diligence are suffering from a hidden disease called selective sluggardliness. A disease characterized by carefully constructed compartments where slothfulness reigns. These little pockets of laziness or inactivity, though seemingly insignificant and nearly always unseen by others will ultimately bring pain and heartache and even ruin into our lives. He goes on to say that the primary reason why selective sluggardliness is so deadly is that all the other areas of our life look so good that we convince ourselves that these little areas of, of um, laziness don't need to be dealt with. I don't need to be held responsible for those because I'm doing so good in all these other areas. Selective Sluggardliness is when we are very diligent in every area of life and other people generally think of us as energetic and productive, but there's one important area in which we are idle. So it is with the father who sets sales records and has a low handicap on golf, but he fails to respond to the emotional needs of his wife and his children. You see, you can be a workaholic and be a sluggard. Because you can be really working really hard in your job, pouring your life into getting things done and making a big living for your family. And all of a sudden, financially, your family is very comfortable and you're just setting records left and right in the company. But the emotional needs of your wife and children are gone wanting. But you see, that's a selective sluggardliness. You just kind of set that over here because you've got these other things that you're doing. Selective sluggardliness. This is like the mother who pours herself out on the job and pours herself out on the home front, but she continually neglects her relationship with God. Because she's so busy taking care of the family, and she may have a job outside of the home, and she's doing that and taking care of the kids. And everyone looks at her and says, You are the superwoman. You're the supermom. You're doing all of these things. But yet there's this area over here of where there's laziness, and it is her relationship with God. And oftentimes we fill our time with people and society things. And, and we do all these social out, outings. But yet we never take time for our own inner selves. And what happens is on the inside we begin to die. On the outside we're looking great. And everyone thinks we're doing great. And we're getting after it. We listen to a message like this and says, people need to work as hard as I work on there. But yet we all have these little selective sluggardliness. These little areas over here that we don't want to take care of over here. It's those who are diligent in everything except managing their personal finances. And they spend more money than they have and they constantly say tomorrow they'll go on a budget and all of a sudden financial ruin comes to them. No matter what the area of sluggardliness is, if it's an important enough area, it will undermine all the diligence that's demonstrated in your other areas. You might get away with it for a time But he'll find you out in the end. And Bill Hybels uses the illustration of his dad. His dad died of a heart attack at age 53. And this is how Bill described his father. He was one of the most energetic and motivated men I've ever known. Few people could begin to keep up with him. He started businesses... He helped ministries, he flew planes, he drove motorcycles, he sailed a 45-foot yawl across the Atlantic Ocean. He was disciplined and diligent in every area of his life except one, caring for his body. He was lazy and careless about that his whole life. He paid no attention to diet or exercise. Nine out of ten isn't bad unless the tenth one kills you selective sluggardliness each one of us take a look at our own lives and say where's that area that i need to work on so consequences of being a sluggard brings on poverty can ruin your life let me tell you the second one and the second consequence it takes a toll on others you know it doesn't just affect you it affects others it takes a toll on others Look what it says in Proverbs 18.9. Proverbs 18.9 says, Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. So much of our life is dependent on others. And so if I'm there at work and I'm not carrying my weight, somebody else has got to pick up what I just dropped. If one member of the team slacks off, others add to their work list, to their own responsibility. Somebody fails to pay a bill in the family, the whole family is going to be affected. A lazy employee, he begins to undermine the co-worker's motivation and drive. You find a lazy team member, it's not just the fact you can't count on them, whether it be basketball, baseball, or football, but just that laziness begins to be a cancer and affects the other people. And it just seems that they're not going to be as determined. They're not going to be as motivated. To kind of sap some of their motivation because they see the laziness of this person over here. See, it's a toll. It is a toll on others. And so everybody has to do more to compensate for a sluggard's negative influence and dereliction of duties. But most important is the third one. The third consequence is this. And that is it's an affront to God. It is an affront to God laziness is I kept reading through reading through Proverbs over and over and there was something that jumped out on two of the verses that led me th- to this point I want you to look at these two verses 15 19 if you look in fifteen nineteen, 19 says the way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns that means the one that's, that's ru- taking this lazy life it's not going to be easy there's going to be a lot of difficulties like a hedge of thorns but the path of the upright is a level highway Saying it's a lot better path when you're the upright, when you're honorable. But now look at the contrast. Look what the writer has done. He has contrasted sluggard with upright. So when you read this, he's not just saying, oh, it's bad to be lazy. He's saying a sluggard is the opposite of the upright. Instead of being upright, he's dishonorable. And that's an affront to God. Look at the next one. The next proverb, Proverb twenty-one, twenty-five through 26, the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor all day long. He craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Now again, desire of the sluggard compared to the righteous. He says the sluggard is this, the righteous is this. So what he's saying in this God's word is that the sluggard is one that's unrighteous. So when we think about just being laziness, this lazy, this hesitancy, it's not just something that we just deal with. It affects others, but it also affects our relationship with God. It's an affront to God. Because he's saying that sluggard is opposite from the one who is righteous. And you see, laziness is not an attribute of God. The Bible says he never sleeps, he doesn't slumber, he's not slow on his promises. God is not a lazy God. And he asks that we not be lazy. He did not create us to be lazy. So what are some conclusions? Let me give you the two conclusions for this. Conclusions for the sluggard. First of all, for the church, what are we to do? It says to admonish the lazy. Admonish the lazy. And Where are you getting this from? Look what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. You need to take this whole verse, okay? You got faint-hearted and you got idle. Sometimes it's hard to draw the line. Who's being lazy versus who is just hurting inside? And that's where you've got to have some discerning because there's somebody that they're just not getting things done. It's not because they're lazy. It's because something's going on in their heart. There's some pain. There's some hurt. And as a believer... You need to encourage the faint-hearted. But there are some that are just flat-out lazy. And so what is the church to do? Well, when I say the church, it's not like we stand up as an edict of Shades Mountain Baptist. You're the church. Each member, you're the church. And what you do is you find some people that are just being idle, that are being lazy, and in Christian love, you go and you challenge them. And you remember, it says, be patient with them all. So don't get in their face in a bad way you need to challenge them Uh, you're seeing some some great things are getting ready to happen uh, in our men's ministry that's really taking off and some of the things you're going to see happening and there's the accountability of men and and you know men are good at kind of getting in other guys faces and some of that needs to happen some of it could be because you're idle not so much in your work but you're idle in your christian walk and it may mean that some men need to walk up to another and say, you know what, it's time for you to get off your blessed assurance and get on your feet and begin to live a real, authentic life for Christ. You need to, you need to, to be that man of God that God has called you to be. And so it says that we as a church, Paul, writing to the church, I'm urging you, admonish the idol. And so those that are being lazy in their spiritual walk or lazy in their work... You know, as believers, when you see that, you do it because you love them and you come up to them and you say, man, I just want to talk to you about this. You know, you you need to get after it. You need to be walking with Christ. You need to have a radical walk about you, okay? And I'm telling you, most guys will appreciate it. Sometimes you need a kick in the pants. But you draw the line on there and it talks about being patient with them all. You got to love them. But at the same time, you admonish them. Now, you say, well, what if I'm a sluggard out here? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But all of us, when we go through some sluggard times in our life, this is what it says. For the sluggard, adjust your perspective. I think one of the greatest things to help a person get out of being lazy is to adjust their perspective. And you adjust your perspective by looking at what Scripture says. And look what Scripture says here. In Philippians chapter 2, in Philippians chapter two, verses three through four, it says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. You see, laziness is selfishness. I'm just thinking all about myself. I'm too tired. I don't want to do that. Job's too tough. I don't want to do No. It says right here, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Begin to make an adjustment of your perspective to say, God did not place me here just for me to look out for my own interest, but to look out for the interest of others. And in order for me to look out for the interest of others, it means that I need to kind of get out of my bed and I need to begin hitting the lick. I began to need to be productive so I can help others. Look at what Paul said in Ephesians. In the letter in Ephesians, he says, let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor performing with his own hands what is good. All right? Labor, perform his own hands what is good in order. This is the reason why right here. Why do you do that? You should perform labor with your own hands in order to build bigger barns. You can have more stuff. You can put it in more storage. I don't know. It didn't say that in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Wow. What if you began to look at the reason God called you to do a particular task or God called you to work or to use that talent, or use that skill, well, so that you could be able to make a living, take caring of your family, but at the same time to be able to have enough to look at those who are in need and say, guess what? I'm going to help you out. I want to share with him who has need. And when you began to get your eyes off of yourself and you began to look at other people out there and say, you know what? I want to do some things to help them. I want to help them. I want to help them. Then I realized that I cannot help them if I'm just laying in the bed, a little bit of sleep, a little bit of slumber, folding my hands. You see, Jesus is the perfect example of doing this. In fact, in the Philippians 2 passage, it talks about humbling. Because he humbled himself. And he came here, humbled himself, and as a servant, went to the cross, and he died for our sins. And he did that for us. Aren't we glad that he wasn't slack about his duties? Aren't we glad that that when it came to the Garden of Gethsemane and and he was there, that as he was praying, he said, God, you know, I'm out of here. This is tough. He knew it was tough. But then he says, God, not my will, but your will. What if he just says, you know, now's not a good time, God you know, I got some things that are going on pretty good. I got some PR guys working on some stuff. There's some other regions we think that we can go to. Just not now. Just not now. But he humbled himself. And he says, God, I'm ready to go to the cross and to go to cross for all. And so in short, for all of us, we need to come first to a, a faith in Jesus Christ as our savior to accept him. And when we accept him and accept the incredible grace gift that he's given us because of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, once we accept that, then we say, God, I want you into my heart and your Holy Spirit enters into my life, then I want to serve you. And what God says is, I don't need you being lazy over here. I got some great things for you. And whether it's in the job that you're doing or it's in a hobby that you've got, it's just in life. He says, I want you to get after it. And I want you to go and I want you to reach people. I want you to do work. And to know that every day is an opportunity to serve God. Every morning when we wake up, we say, God, I'm on call. What is it that you want me to do? I don't want to be the one that's lazy. I want to be strong. I want to be diligent. I want to be persistent. And I want to keep working. And I want to keep working for you. Let me ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of Scripture. And we thank you for the challenge that you've given us. And Lord, in our heart of hearts, we would have it no other way. Because we don't want to live lives of just worthless existence. But we want to live lives that have value, that have meaning, that have worth. And the only place we get that through is through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm praying, Father, that your spirit speaks and pricks each one of our hearts. And Lord, especially speak to each of our hearts and to each one of us who've got that selective sluggardliness. And Lord, it's not the pastor's responsibility to, to, to identify each area in each person's life. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And Father, as people have been sitting through this message, all of a sudden you pricked their heart. And you said, you know, that's an area that you've been pretty lazy on. Man, you're doing great in a lot of things, but hey, that's an area. That if we don't deal with it now, it could lead to some disappointment and some ruin. And so, Lord, I pray your spirit would speak to our hearts. Help identify those areas. Help us to get it right with you. When we walk out of here in just a few moments, that we'll be ready to serve you with all of our heart. Lord, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.